Welcome to Wildlife Matters, a podcast from Dorset Wildlife Trust. In today's episode, we catch up with the team at Wild Woodbury in Beer Regis. There's been lots happening in the last two years since we acquired the site, and today we hear about a major long-term project which aims to re-naturalise the headwaters of the River Sherford. And it's all part of the team's vision to rewild and re-wet the site. Head of Wilder Landscapes, Rob Farrington, and Wilder Dorset Rangers, Seb Haggett, have overseen the project and monitored the changes in the last year since work on this particular project first began. We'll hear from Seb as he shares a current update of how the project's been going and what's next. But first, we head back to this time last year, on the very first day as work began on site. So um, Dorset Wildlife Trust purchased uh, Wild Woodbury and it was a slightly unusual thing for Dorset Wildlife Trust to do. Normally um, Dorset Wildlife Trust would have been buying land that already had an ecological interest, some nature there that was special, something that needed to be look up, looked after. And that wasn't the case um, for Wild Woodbury at all. Um, Wild Woodbury was relatively intensively farmed, but it's in an area that's not particularly suitable for farming. It's got very complex poor soils that run from chalk through thick clays down through acid sands, waterlogged gravels, pretty much any type of soil that you'd, you'd expect to find in this area is here. And it's also very wet. The name Beer Regis, where we're just next to, the word beer is thought to have meant wet wooded valley. And so this landscape has had a lot of inputs, which means a lot of fertiliser, artificial fertiliser sprayed on the land um, to enable crops and grass to be grown. And it's also been crisscrossed by very deep and arrow straight drainage ditches. And a lot of lowland England uh, has these drainage ditches and you wouldn't be able to see them as you walk or drive past. They're often under hedgerows or next to hedgerows and they're all fed by field drains, so tubes either of plastic, pottery, or just pounded earth underneath fields that then get water off those fields into these drainage ditches, and these straight drainage ditches shoot water off the land as quickly as possible. That's all right if you're trying to get it dry enough to farm, but what we're trying to do at Well Woodbury is trial different ways of managing land to face the problems that we are tasked with now, which is a catastrophic climate emergency, ecological emergency, and a growing disconnect between people and nature. So with those three focuses in mind, Dorset Wildlife Trust are using the site to collect data, to share, and to inspire other projects to to help them change to a more sustainable way of, of managing land. Today is a super exciting day where we start our, one of our big projects on site, which is the Stage Zero River Restoration. Now, as we're rewilding the site, we of course want to restore the water back into the landscape. And for us, this is really quite easy. We just have to undo the ditching that's been done in the past. We're filling in ditches in specific points and making leaky dams, putting woody debris into old channels to force the water back up onto the land and to just let it flow where it wants to go. 
So we've got a big digger on site today and it's just filling in the ditches for us at strategic points to force the water back up onto the surface and to let it flow across the land. We don't know what this wetland's going to look like. You know, it could be marshy areas, it could be pools, it could be lakes. What we do know is it's going to have a massive effect, not only on restoring biodiversity and bioabundance back to the landscape, but it's going to help reduce flash flooding downstream. It's going to help lock up carbon uh, in the soils. It's going to help filter out a lot of nitrates that are currently flowing through the water system. We're not directing any way. We're not creating any scrapes or pools. We're purely letting nature lead and letting the water do what it wants to do across the land. So the river restoration work is, is being done in, we've got three different units. The first one is being done in Bloxworth, which is our smallest area. And that will take probably about a day and a half. There's only a, a, a relatively small intervention to do there. Then later on in the week, we're coming into the, our largest unit, Woodbury, where most of the work will be done. This is the area that we're walking through now and it's the area where water has been messed about with more than any other place. Um, so the water is basically not where it should be. So they'll, they'll be here for about a week and a half carrying out that work and then they'll be back in December, the contractors, to do work on the last unit. Um, by then we will be hopefully seeing the water, the hydrology acting a bit more naturally in these first two units. So we've got these three different units because they are um, cut through by roads. And often we get asked, well, if you're slowing down the water, if you're holding water back and renaturalizing the water, well, there's a road in the way. And they'd be right, there is a road in the way. So doing stage zero river restoration, you can pretty much only do it on the entirety of a river. Or if there's an easy place to get to capture all the water that you've spread out over the, over the low ground back in to a single channel to get it under a road or under, you know, past, past a major bit of infrastructure like that. Conveniently at Walwoodbury, we have very easy ways of capturing water. Um, we've got these very deep ditches alongside the roads that, that will very easily capture all the water that we're slowing down and put it through culverts, basically big tubes underneath the road. It will then take it out onto our next bit of land where we will renaturalize it again. And then when it gets down to the next bit of road, we've already got those existing deep wide ditches that we can capture the water again to put them under the roads. Now, both of those areas that, that um, have culvert to the moment, they often flood at the moment. That's because the water, when it's raining, goes so fast down these ditches that it's backing up and smashing into these culverts and overtopping. So actually by holding the water back, slowing it down and spreading it out, one of the aims is that we will stop that flooding in those pinch points because we'll be controlling the water. We're not just shooting down too much water. We're actually using our land to sponge some of it up and slow it down. As a measure of success for this project, it's, it's quite difficult with rewilding because you never have an end point. But if you're looking at certain things, for us, there are going to be a few measures which will certainly 
be monitoring to see how this project progresses over the years. The possibly the most obvious one is the return of biodiversity and bioabundance to the site. So through ongoing monitoring, we're constantly trying to see what species are on site, how they're returning and in what numbers. And this is hopefully only going to grow as we move on, as we do more restoration parts of the project. And it's, it's quite an easy way to see success because an increase in biodiversity and bioabundance can only really mean you're moving towards success for restoration of a landscape. If you look into some of the other details and into some of the aims of the project, we are a community rewilding project. And one of the big parts was to open up more green space for people to come and enjoy what we're doing and to reconnect with nature. And although not that easy to measure, I think looking at the engagement through the locals, uh, the locals and also the wider Dorset community, how invested they are in the project and how excited they are about the work we're doing is, is quite a good way of measuring the success of what we're doing. We're going to be opening up a massive, a big 40 acre area for people to come in, to come in and enjoy a green space. And to see how well this is used will hopefully show how much support the project has got and just how much we need extra space for people to come and enjoy wildlife and nature. You know, 93% of the UK is, is privately owned. And usually if you're on a footpath, you're stuck between a barbed wire fence and a hedge. So having an open area where people can, can come and appreciate the land around where they live and hopefully look at a, a project in action and how it's changing the local landscape is super important. So today is really exciting for me because after a year of essentially standing back and watching and monitoring, which has been incredibly exciting and incredibly important, is the first day that we are actively engaging, as it were, and, and tweaking the site. So really, really exciting to, to wait until it actually starts raining and watch these systems then change and the water get back into the low ground it will be absolutely fascinating and incredibly exciting to see um, and you know I may be completely wrong and I'm always happy to be wrong on this kind of site and, and you often are but you feel with the kind of opportunity we've got on this large area of land to put back this water into the landscape in the next few years I think we, over winter we can be expected to be seeing clouds of, of wetland birds um, raptors bring it, you know, coming in and hunting them, dragonflies, a boom in amphibians, so it's, it's incredibly exciting. It's now autumn 2023, about a year on uh, from when we started the Stage Zero river restoration on site. And through this time, we've been monitoring to see how the water has been changing the landscape at Wild Woodbury. Now, after waiting through the drought of last year, we finally got some rain uh, around December time, and it completely transformed the look across the site. What were dry and cracked fields changed into this big mosaic of wetter features. Everything from marshy areas, big flows across the middle of the fields, uh, long ponds that formed in the old ditch systems, thinner bits of water that might have only been a couple of inches deep but spread across kind of 40 metres flowing as one big movement through the landscape. They really transformed the site uh, and created this incredible amount of new habitat and as soon as you put water into a landscape 
nature finds it and nature moves back in incredibly quickly. Within about two weeks of, the, of this rain, we had a big flock of lapwing move in, about 90 lapwing, accompanied by 20 golden plover and around 30 common snipe, of which we hadn't seen on site before. They were, they were new, um, certainly in that number, and clearly had been attracted in by the wetter fields. They were feeding on the, the freshly exposed mud in the wetter areas, uh, in the wetter kind of grassier fields as well. And it just went to show how, how important these kind of landscapes are, that they moved in that quickly. Throughout the year, it's been had quite an ephemeral nature. Uh, the water on site, it's kind of come and gone with the rains. Whether this will be the norm or not, we don't know. It's something we're going to find out. It could be that we just need to build up the groundwater storage and we'll have year-round water. It might be that it just comes and goes throughout the year, both of which are still very important uh, habitats to have. We did have a lot of water still into spring, and with that we got all the all the amphibians, all the frogs, all the all the toads, the newts. Uh, again, things we hadn't seen in number on site throughout the whole of the first year. And along with those, you get all their predators, a big increase in grass snakes, for example, um, along with all the aquatic invertebrates and and all the other um, all the other species that that need water to survive or breed. Dragonflies and damselflies. Their species went up from around 5 to about 14, uh, just post-water restoration. And possibly one of the most exciting things to happen was we had a pair of curlew prospecting the site. It didn't breed, but the fact that they were looking, they had clearly seen the site, thought it suitable, and they were looking to potentially set up a territory. Incredibly interesting. And of course, this is going to continue to evolve over time. It's going to continue to get more complex, more diverse, as it finds new pathways and, and spreads out through the site. And looking forward, we're really excited about this. We're really excited to see how the restoration further shapes wild woodbury. It's now been shown at many different localities, wild woodbury included, that when you restore natural processes, when you let nature lead, you allow species to return and recover in number, but you also clean up the water, you help alleviate flash flooding downstream, you help lock, lock up more carbon in the wetter soils, and you can create a landscape full of life. Thank you to Rob and Seb. We look forward to more updates in the future. That's all we have time for today. Please join us again for another episode of Wildlife Matters. If you'd like to support the work we do, then why not think about becoming a member? Your membership support will help us to continue to protect wildlife here in Dorset. To find out more, you can visit our website at dorsetwildlifetrust.org.uk forward slash membership. <laughs>